from Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. And a special hello to all of my listeners in the greater Toronto area, across Ontario, Maine to Minnesota, south of the Carolinas, and uh, if you're listening online at zoomerradio.ca, anywhere around the world, welcome, welcome, and a hello, a special hello to... Uh, my affiliates down at WIXI in Birmingham, WKAC in Huntsville, KVNA in Phoenix, WIMO in Atlanta, and uh, our friends at uh, in uh, along the Hudson Valley, WBNR, Beacon, New York, WGHQ in Kingston, WALLNA in Peekskill. I just spoke recently with... Uh, uh, with the uh, the program director uh, down there, uh, Bruce Owen. So if you're listening, Bruce, hello, great talking to you. And I uh, uh, can't forget WZGM or WZGM, I should say, in Asheville, North Carolina. They were first out of the gate, our first affiliate here. So uh, welcome, welcome, one and all, as I sit here in the cozy confines of 550 Queen Street East in Toronto in our flagship station, AM740 Zoomer Radio. Uh, well, we just recently rolled past the 49th anniversary of the assassination of JFK and the old uh, Dennis Miller joke uh, when you ask a young person, where were you when they shot JFK? They think you mean the Oliver Stone film. Where were you when they shot the film? <laughs> but uh, no, we got to roll back to 63 uh, for this one. And, of course, next year will be the 50th anniversary. Uh, that's going to be a big one. But we like to to, uh, to take note every year uh, of that um, monumental moment in history. It, it wasn't simply, uh, as tragic as it was, the, the, the murder uh, of the president. There's much more to this story than that. And just about every year, uh, I, I, um, I welcome my next guest because... Uh, certainly in this country, he is probably unparalleled in uh, assassination research. In fact, in the mid-70s, early to mid-70s, if you saw the Zapruder film on TV for the first time here in Canada, it's because of the gentleman who sits across uh, the microphone from me. He was the one that flew down uh, to Dallas and met with Penn Jones, probably the preeminent JFK assassination researcher. Now, just a short while before my guest met with Penn Jones, Penn Jones had met with New Orleans District Attorney Jim Garrison, who had a copy of the Zapruder film. Now, remember, most people hadn't seen it yet. It was important. Garrison wanted people to see this. So he gave a copy to Penn Jones. Penn Jones gave a copy to my guest. My guest, at great risk, smuggled it into Canada. Remember, this was embargo. No one was supposed to have this. He gave it to a border station in Canada. It, I believe it was a CBC station. I'll, we'll, we'll find out here in a, in a moment. And it was broadcast, and that's how many people saw the Zapruder film for the first time. Nelson Thal studied media science under Marshall McLuhan at the Center of Culture and Technology and St. Michael's College in Toronto. He served as president of the Marshall McLuhan Center on Global Communications from 1990 to 95. He served as director of the of a research for the Center for Media Sciences of Toronto and is a leading authority on the science of communication, media theory, and process analysis. And he is an assassination researcher. He's also brought some wonderful artifacts. Uh, first, let's welcome Nelson Thal to The Conspiracy Show. Hello, hello my friend. How hey, are you? Hey, Richard. Great to be here. Now... 
We are in Canada, mm-hmm. but we do have a weapon on the table. But we we need to make clear to anyone, uh, any authority listening, that this was transported by a fully licensed. Uh, 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 it's fully registered. It's licensed. Uh, what is this? This is a rifle that's sitting on my desk, uh, and it looks like sort of vintage World War One. <laughs> but how is this connected to the uh, Kennedy assassination? Well, this is actually the uh, uh, Mannlicher Carcano, which is uh, supposedly the gun that Lee Harvey Oswald shot the president with. It's known as the humanitarian rifle. Can I just pick this up here? Yeah, and, and, uh, because just... it, you couldn't kill anybody with it. Is uh, in this book, which we have here, the gun by Henry Bloomgarden, <clears throat> a biography of the gun that killed John F. Kennedy. He calls it the humanitarian rifle because you couldn't kill anybody with it, even if you wanted to. All right. Now, uh, obviously, it is not loaded. Uh, but I yeah. just may I open the. Uh... Yeah. Okay. I the just bolt. To, the bolt. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I'm just gonna. Yep. Yeah, it's not. Yes. You can. I'm about as gifted with a weapon as Oswald was. Uh, okay. I just. Okay. There we go. Yes. There we go. Okay. So and I'm having a little trouble with this. Uh, you know, uh, with this bolt action. And action. So we are led to believe this bolt action that he was able to fire three, three shots, shots in less than five six, inside six seconds. Okay. From the sixth floor of the Texas uh, Book. Depository building, Uh, and I've been there. And if you go up onto the sixth floor, uh, the window is still ajar. And uh, but if you go up there, the window is not. It's not like you can stand and look out the window. You've got to get down on your knee on your knee because the window is at the ground level. Right. So so Oswald would have been up there with this rather cumbersome bolt action weapon and. Fired now. This weapon does not have a, a scope on it. No, this doesn't. But the one that Oswald uh, is supposedly uh, that the police claim that Oswald used had a scope on it. And by the way, in order to um, have it tested, they had to adjust the uh, telescopic sights and put shins underneath it, and uh, in order to get it going. So even the rifle that they claimed was the one he. Uh, used was uh, had to be significantly upgraded in order to get it to shoot properly. Yeah. Now, so uh, the, the 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 weapon that Oswald allegedly used was that found that was found in the. Uh, well, actually, Friday night the police and the news reported that they found a Mauser. A, a German, German Mauser was what the was reported publicly, and the next day it was changed to this weapon. And this was supposedly More, found in the Texas Book Building, right? The right, depository exactly. building. Exactly. And but it was found, what, as you say, though, in order to test the weapon, the FBI had to make serious upgrades to the to the uh, because it was in such disrepair. Yeah. And tell me about. Uh, I understand that the firing pin was in horrible shape. It was rusty. Yeah, it was just not in really good firing shape. Uh, but, you know, Rich, let's go back. It's 49 years. I started to get into this heavily and follow the 1969 Jim Garrison trial with against Clay Shaw. Right. And that's when I started to get really started to follow it. And um, I was 17 years old. And uh, basically... It, you could tell right there that a serious cover-up was in place, 
And um, the cover-up has been very successful, by the way. Let's face it, it's 49 years. Uh, they've kept it, uh, kept a good cover on it. They've spent millions and millions of dollars on agent provocateurs and their books. There's been a sig- most of the books uh, uh, about the Kennedy assassination are uh, paid for by the uh, the, the gang that uh, that was behind the assassination itself. Right. Right. I, I do want to talk more about the yeah. weapon, but let me Let's just go, ask you a minute, because yeah. you mentioned Clay Shaw. And 1969, six years after the assassination, why did Garrison target this individual Clay Shaw? Well, who was Clay Shaw? Well, Clay Shaw was, uh, uh, was a, 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 an agent of, uh, of the uh, Central Intelligence Agency and uh, closely aligned with other, organ- other intelligence agencies out of Europe. And he was on the board of Permindex Corporation, Permanent Industrial Expositions. And Permindex was named by Garrison as one of the major companies that was used to bring off the assassination. Permindex had been thrown out of France by Charles de Gaulle and named it as a murder inc, quote unquote. And so the directors of uh, Permindex were Clay Shaw and Major Lewis Mortimer Bloomfield of British SOE, Her Majesty's Secret Service. So those two men were named by Garrison, along with others. We can go through a lot of the others. Right. Uh, but Bloomfield and and uh, and uh, Clay Shaw were the major men that were operating and controlling Permindex, which was the corporation that was hired to uh, do the big event what's called they call it the big event right and and there they also tried to assassinate de gaulle, de gaulle and that was um, the uh, there was a movie made about that yeah the uh, papillon Papi- no not the papillon no, um, um, it was uh, uh, not the day of the jackal no. but um I can't remember. It'll come to me later. Yes. but de gaulle uh, named the permindex as a company and threw it out of france and they're the same and ones that went responsible to the, for the Kennedy assassination. Right, named by Garrison as responsible for the Kennedys. And okay. of course, I think we should also point out that the Kennedy assassination, when we look back on it now, was not just the assassination of the president. The men behind it weren't interested just in killing the president. They were interested in executive action. They wanted to take out the executive branch of government, and we can see over the last 49 years they were successful. They not just killed, didn't just kill Kennedy, they took out the executive branch of the United States government, and then it all started to operate from the basement with Secord and North, and the military took over, and the, if you look at it today, obviously there is there are no three separate branches in the United States. There's no separation of powers. And this was the first coup d'etat in the United States. That's an excellent way of putting it. It was a coup, a coup d'etat. Yeah. They took over the executive branch. Yeah. And some uh, you know, have argued that 9-11 was sort of the final a nail in the coffin. And through the Patriot Act and so forth, they essentially took over all the other branches, including the U.S. Postal Service, all now gathered together under one national security state headquartered in this multi-billion dollar facility outside of Washington, D.C., named after George Herbert Walker Bush. All right, we'll be back. Nelson Thal, assassination researcher, as we delve into uh, JFK, and uh, I try to uh, uh, 
fire off three shots in five seconds using this replica of Oswald's rifle here on The Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. The world is being pulled over your eyes. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Welcome back. Commemorating the uh, the recent uh, uh, anniversary of JFK's assassination, I want to do a little experiment. I have here a um, a replica of the Manlicher Kirkano. This is the humanitarian rifle uh, that Oswald allegedly used to kill the president. Now, according to the Warren Commission, he fired three shots in under five seconds. Under six. Under six seconds. Nelson Thal, assassination researcher, media scientist here. So let me. Uh, uh, I've got the uh, the weapon here. Uh, let me see using this uh, this bolt action uh, uh, rifle if I can actually do that. So Nelson, I'm going to get you to look at the clock, and I'm going to actually I'm going to get you to count to six, okay? And uh, you tell me when to go, and then I'll see if I can actually. My stopwatch out here. Okay. okay, ready go. We're ready to go. Okay. On three. One, two, three. Okay. One. Two, three. 9.4 9.4. And I tell you, man, I mean, that's a, that's, that's a cumbersome bolt action. I was going as fast as I could. Yeah. 9.4. Yeah. So let's say I was pretty darn good. Yeah. Uh, let's say I could fire three, get three shots fired. Right. In second, but, but with that amount of, you know, accuracy, hard to believe, hard to believe yeah. that he used this weapon. Uh, Oswald, interesting guy. Oh yeah, that's let's talk about Oswald. Uh, that's the most interesting guy. Radar specialist uh, in Japan. Um, uh, trained at the high, trained trained at the most secret CIA uh, base in Japan. Right. See, not in Japan, but it was in Japan, but the most secret CIA base in the world, which was at that time in Japan. He spoke multiple languages. Right. He was an expert in Russian studies. He failed all his shooting tests. Well, my understanding was he got he, Maggie's drawers, as they call it. Maggie's drawers. Yeah, what that's that when mean? you ma- you miss the target totally. Right. He, and he goes to Russia, defects in the late fifties, um, gives up secrets to the Russians that. As to when the U-2 is flying over. Francis Gary Powers flying the U-2 over the spy plane. Right. As a result, they shoot down the U-2. The Russians shoot down the U-2 spy plane. And so the summit between Khrushchev and uh, Eisenhower is canceled. Because the Americans were embarrassed. They were, they were caught red-handed spying on the Russians. Exactly. So now, Khrushchev was forced to cancel the summit. Now, this summit between Eisenhower and Khrushchev may have brought about peace, a, a peace or a th- at least a thawing of the Cold War. And so it would have hurt. Want, it would have hurt sales of the military-industrial complex for sure. So somebody above Eisenhower, right-wing decided, generals in the Pentagon, decided to send Oswald to Russia. Here again was a radar specialist. He gives them the coordinates because no, gives, there's no way they could have intercepted that U-2. It was too fast. Right. So he gives them the times that they're going to c- come overhead. The U-2 is going to fly over Fly over time. And they, 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 so they, they can get up in the air enough in advance. Right. And shoot it down. They shoot Gary Francis Powers' uh, plane down. Now, didn't Gary Francis Powers actually publicly mention in Oswald? His book. What in did his he book. say? What did yeah. he say? He said that as a result of Oswald's defection, that's why he was shot down. He named Oswald in his book years later. How would he have known that? 
Well, because he knew the, he knew he, he was a military pilot. He right. found out through, just like all of us, he, he he found out through intelligence circles that Oswald had defected and put two and two together. So, so Oswald the, was a CIA asset at that point, the late fifties, early sixties. Absolutely, a marine as well, right. uh, and and defects double agent for the Americans. The interesting thing is when he comes back. When he comes back, he's paid to come back by the United States government. It, volume 18 of the Warren Commission calls it the Oswald Repatriation Loan, quote unquote. In other words, he needed money to, to, come, to back come back to the States. They loaned him the money so that he could be flown back. He's a traitor, quote yes. unquote. Yes. He returns and... You, On the taxpayer's dime. Taxpayer's dime. And he's not arrested or questioned. He's given up state secrets and he's not questioned. He's not even met by the FBI, by the CIA. Nobody, no police. He's met by George DeMorenschild, who is a, a court. Richard Helms testifies years later that DeMorenschild is a Nazi intelligence agent. That's Richard Helms. The Came over to the U.S. The through the rat line. Came over to the U.S. through Operation Paperclip. Exactly. So why so did he, he pick him up? Well, he picks Oswald up and gets him connects him here with the Dallas White Russian group and with Michael and Ruth Payne who work at Bell Helicopters for Walter Dornberger who's the Nazi that got out through the rat line right. and was sentenced to hang at Nuremberg but was taken out and protected by the Americans as well. So you have all of these uh, German intelligence officers and so forth who come over uh, and they take Nazis. up former Nazis who take up positions within the military industrial complex and there Grooming Oswell, they're they're bringing him uh, back to the U.S. Now, but, and, and but, then Nancy Payne gets Oswald the job at the Book Depository Building. Right, but also let's not forget the book, The Second Oswald, by Professor Popkin, because the Oswald that comes back is two and a half inches different height than the Oswald that went. So there's the Marine Oswald that went there, and then there's the Salt Agent. The, there's the there's a different Oswald that comes back. What do you mean by a Salt well, Agent? Well, in the movie Salt. You can, they show this. If you get the movie Salt with the, that just came out a few, a uh, few years ago. Right. They show this, that, that the, the, the switch of the agents. Of course, Ian Fleming, British intelligence, wrote about it called From Russia with Love. That, that, that movie and that book, From Russia with Love, was really about Oswald coming back, back. to America. The double. The switch. So you've got an Oswald coming back who's at the school book depository now, who now becomes the patsy, says he's the patsy, and then he's shot in the basement. But, of course, we find out... Of the county courthouse during the prison transfer. Yeah. Years later, we find out that Ike Pappas, who was standing beside Ruby... The photographer. Photographer, CBS, CBS News reporter on his retirement says in late 90s says funny thing there was no blood at the scene so you've got a man shot in the gut there should be tons of blood but you look at the tv pictures and you look uh, look at the witnesses like like pat pappas after his retirement says uh, there was no blood and then you have a lee harvey oswald working with Dr. Alton Oshner, who's one of the, who's president of the American Cancer Society, and working with Dr. Mary Sherman, 
<laughs> right. And, and on, they were, on cancer weapons, on you on development of cancer as a weapon. Right. I, my understanding was uh, Dr. Dr. Mary's Dr. monkey. Sh- yes, Dr. Uh, Mary uh, Sherman. Yes. Was um, basically what they found out was the the um, the polio vaccine had been tainted with this cancer-causing monkey virus. Monkey virus. And she was supposed to find. She thought this was why she was hired yes. and brought to, to uh, New Orleans, I guess it was. She thought she was supposed to find an antidote to this, but she didn't realize she was actually working on a weaponization right. of, of the cancer virus. Right. With Lee Oswald, Lee Harvey Oswald, and David Ferry. Yes. So one man could never... You know, we've looked at the evolution of uh, a few years ago. Remember, we brought in the poster with all the different pictures of Oswald. Right. There were at least three or four doubles of Oswald. So you have the Oswald who who was um, a radar um, uh, expert in in and a, and a marine in Japan who who uh, goes, uh, to goes to Russia. Then you have a different Oswald who comes back. Meanwhile, you've got another Oswald working alongside <laughs> Dr. Mary Sherman in New Orleans and Alton Oshner. Yes. Not just he, but also working alongside and Alton Oshler, who's the chief surgeon of Tulane Medical School, one of the most prestigious medical schools in the United States. And, and a rabid uh, anti-Castro. Yeah, and, and was president of the American Cancer Society. So who was Lee Oswald? The, there was certainly Lee Oswald, even if there was an Oswald shot in Dallas and killed, there are still other Oswalds out there. Was there an Oswald at 9-11? We understood that there was an Oswald safe housed on Borden Avenue in Toronto who left Toronto and went to New York just nine months before 9-11. So there still is a Lee Harvey Oswald and probably listening to the show right now. My word. Nelson Thal, a media scientist, JFK assassination uh, researcher, the man who brought the Zapruder film to Canada back in the... Uh, when was that? 1974? I brought it in 73. 73. And when was it shown? What, what station was it shown? Well, uh, CBLT and the Windsor CBC channel. Through a high level, the highest level executive at CBC in Toronto, I had a contact with through my aunt who was uh, head of casting for CBC. And uh, through, I don't want to mention names because he's still alive, but um, he uh, arranged it so that I could uh, air it at 2 a.m. And we we told a lot of friends who were, remember, there were no video cassette recorders in those days, Richard. No. You had to go to the libraries or to the universities. And you had big, big v- videotape machines. And at the universities, we told about 10 people at the different universities in the States near the border, turn it on at 2 a.m., we're going to lower the color bars or lower the color bars and, uh, and air it and play it for approximately 15 seconds. So the color bars went down at 2 a.m. and we aired it at for approximately, like the whole tape is like 26 seconds. Yeah, so 26 we, seconds. So we, we t- for about f- uh, one minute, it, we played it twice. And that's it. There was no intro, no extra. You just nothing. Played it. We couldn't. It was too dangerous. It was illegal to have in the United States. Why? They, they, why? Because it, the reason is, is because it shows a man definitively shot from the front. 
and you can't if you were one of the the cover up they it, it it would really blow the cover up they couldn't allow americans to see it because americans would say oh he was shot from the front but you guys are telling us oswald's always been behind him so it, Gar- it's a smoking gun so garrison got the film garrison subpoenaed it during the clay shot trial okay originally it was purchased from abraham zapruder by time life they sealed it in their archives no one could get near it in 69 Six years later, during the Clay Shaw trial, Garrison had some Kodak labs on standby, and during the lunch break, he illegally himself grabbed it, took it out of the courtroom, got, took it to the labs over the lunch hour, had them make copies, and brought it back before the, they, they brought the, uh, the court resumed for the afternoon session. And he gave it to Penn Jones. And uh, he gave it, to, well, I met with Jim Garrison and talked to him. You met with Garrison. Yeah, I met with Garrison in 1971, and in 19, two years later, it took me two years to gain his comfort his comfort level, and two years later, he agreed to pass it to me via Penn Jones. So you fly down and meet him at where, Love Field at the I time? go to meet Penn Jones in Dallas, at the Dallas airport. It wasn't Love Field at It wasn't time. Love Field. Okay, and then he gives this thing to you. And then what do you do? You must be, you must have been sweating bullets. Absolutely sweating bullets. What he did was he carved out a hole in Quigley's book, Tragedy and Hope. How fitting. And put it in there. And, and handed it back. What would have happened if you'd been caught? 77 years in jail. I'd still be in jail today. What I did was I got a ticket. In those years, there wasn't any security. So Jones could walk right to the gate. So I got off the plane. He handed me the book. I gave the ticket back to the stewardess for the return flight. The return flight was on the same plane. And I went back and sat there in my seat while the cleaners were cleaning up. I was so frightened. And the stewardess says, you know, we're going to clean the plane. Uh, you don't have to sit there. I said, no, no, no. I'll sit here in the plane. I just sat in the plane in my seat waiting to take off. And I was very, very, very frightened. I can tell you that. This is a Pruder film. 26 yeah. seconds on 8 millimeter. Yeah. Um, now, it's been often suggested that the Pruder film was, when, it, when the public finally did see it, that it was manipulated, that it was... Um, um, Altered. Altered. Yeah. In order to hide certain things. Tell me, how do you think it was altered? Well, there were many, at the time we were, we were aware that they altered frames, uh, they took out a number of frames and, uh, because there was bullets that had remember the Stemmons freeway sign but right beside where the umbrella man was standing I'm getting technical now yeah. for those who know what I'm talking about the next day they took the Stemmons freeway sign down it was alleged that on the original good copy of the Sapruder film you could see uh, the sign being hit by a bullet. Well, now they they couldn't have more more. It's enough to make three bullets. Then you get four bullets, and then of course there. So they they took out frames when that showed the sign being hit, and they took out other frames the, uh, along the way. The, the, now the copy that you that you had and it, yeah. that was aired. Yeah. 
What? was a terrible copy because it's the one that was given to Garrison. Was it altered? It wasn't the Groden one. We didn't get the Groden until years later. What's Robert, the Groden one? Well, Robert Groden, years later, got a very clear copy. The copy that was given to the Warren Commission was scratchy. It was dark. It was gray. There were frames missing. It was, but it, but still, it was good enough that you could see um, the, Kennedy was shot from the front because he went backwards with tremendous velocity. If, you know, if you're shot from the back, you're not going to go backwards. You're okay, gonna... we'll take a time up, but there's, we'll, we'll we'll get to this when we come back. There were, there were also eyewitnesses who talked about the the limo almost slowing down to a complete stop, stop. Uh, and and uh, that apparently was taken out. We'll uh, get into this right. with Nelson Thal, media scientist, assassination researcher, and. Uh, well, we've got the uh, the Carcano, the Mar- the uh, the Manlicker Carcano here as well, and uh, uh, some other um, uh, books and artifacts we'll uh, discuss as well. Three shots in six seconds. You be the judge. Back with more. Stay with us. Where there's smoke, there's the conspiracy show with Richard Serrett. Nelson Thal uh, in studio, media scientist, assassination researcher, the man responsible for the Zapruder film, uh, first being aired uh, on a Canadian border station. Now, uh, important to note the distinction here. What you were trying to do, Nelson, was, uh, I mean, this was... Well, we couldn't get, we couldn't get anybody to really show the film during a show. So the only way to distribute it was to get people who we knew at CBC, CBLT, Toronto. Right. right. Just to use their transmission facility to Transmit it late at night. Two o'clock in the morning, normally when there'd be color bars. Color bars. They dropped that for one minute. They snuck the film onto the TV, and you alerted certain individuals at universities, at universities. and researchers. This Friends. was not for public consumption. No. But you got it out there. Got it out to the researchers. And they were running their video, their video recorders, their huge video recorders at the University of Buffalo or wherever. Two and a half inch tapes. That's right. all there was. Right. right. Now, the first time North American audiences saw this uh, was... In 1975, Geraldo Rivera had a program yeah. uh, called Goodnight America, but you were the first to get it onto the airwaves. Yeah. That's quite a distinction. The other thing about it is, remember, we were talking at the break, is uh, in the Warren Commission summary and conclusion, they we caught them, that we were caught them switching frames. So Pruder Film 312 and 313, they... And they, they admitted that they did it and, and they admitted they said it was a mistake by reversing the frames, 312 and 313, the headshot, it makes it look like the president goes forward. Right. right? When, In other words, that he was shot from behind. Yeah. So they knew that they had a problem. And even in the Warren Commission, they switched the, f- the they switched the two frames. But they were caught red-handed, so they, they were had caught. to admit. They had to admit it. They admitted it. Yeah. There's other witnesses also, and I don't know if this is in the in the Zapruder film, but uh, uh, whether it was altered out. Uh, but uh, the limo slows down just before the headshot. Yeah, uh, actually, it comes almost to a complete stop. That's what witnesses said. Yeah, a number of eyewitnesses. It, you can't see that in the Zapruder film; it doesn't show. But it, but there are hints that that was done because you see uh, you see a person in frame. Uh, and, and then it's almost Moore like a, there's a jump, a jump cut. Yeah. Because a couple of frames have been removed. She shows and then she disappears. Yes. And she shows again. Yeah. Yes. So that was when the limo slowed down. The limo driver then must have been in on it. 
Oh, absolutely. In order to slow down waiting for that final headshot. Oh, yeah. For sure. The, the Secret Service were definitely in, in on the whole Here's thing. the thing, though. There must have been more than one Abraham Zapruder out there with a film camera, don't oh, you think? Oh, those Orville Nicks. And remember that what they did is they... And oh, Stone shows us in the movie. Uh, they... Uh, they had a, epilep- a fake epileptic attack uh, just on, outside of Dealey Plaza, and a lot of the uh, the the uh, bystanders went up to see that, to see this fake epile- epileptic. And an ambulance arrived, took the guy away, and blocks later the ambulance stopped, and he got up and ran away. People saw that. Yeah. So this Nix photographer, the Orville or, Nix. Orville Nix. Yeah. Where is it? that? Have we seen it? Yeah, we've seen it, but it's it's far the, the best the best picture of all the films, other than the Babushka Ladies, which no one has seen. Uh, but uh, the best film is the Zapruder film. And it's who was the closest? A, was Zapruder um, a, a, a white Russian? Another Russian. Interesting. And Penn Jones also felt that Zapruder was told to go there and film it. Interesting. So he was. Not just there by accident, obviously. You've, here's an interesting book. You brought yeah. in an, a, 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 many books from your very extensive uh, JFK assassination library. Farewell America, James Hepburn. You said this book was banned? That book was banned in the United States until 2005. It was written in 1968. It was written by members of French intelligence under a false name. And it really went into the whole assassination, showed that there were more than one shooters, identified Oswald as a, as a Russian uh, agent and, uh, and, uh, that was banned for many years. You know, the way to get, and the way in which we, we studied the science of assassination was you don't go, you look for the books that are banned, and those are the ones you go after. Not the ones on the New York Times bestsellers list. The ones on the New York Times bestsellers list are the ones written by the agent provocateurs. Remember, millions of dollars have been spent by the CIA uh, for agent provocateur books to fake, to, to cover it up. And uh, in, in this book, uh, Farewell America, you say it was written by French intelligence. Um, they've got a diagram. This is the the presidential parade route, of course, uh, you know, coming down uh, Maine, turning on to Houston before going on to Elm, past the book, to, the Texas School Book Top Depository. Uh, and then they've got here uh, four gunmen, four gunmen firing uh, from different positions. You've got, um, you've got um, f- from the grassy knoll. Uh, you have, um, let's see, that would be the, um, the, the, the fatal shot to the head. You've got Gunman 3 from the book depository. That hits Connolly in the back. You've got Gunman number 1, which hit the president in the throat. And that is coming from also the grassy knoll. And then, uh, sorry, number 4 is coming from the Dal Tex building right. across the street from the on Houston, yeah. uh, which is definitely a clear shot. We'll discuss this a little bit when we come back. Farewell, America. Uh, there's a book people should look for. Nelson Thal in studio as we discuss the JFK assassination. Don't you dare go away. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. 
Next year, of course, uh, uh, Nelson Thaw will oh. be the 50th anniversary, and uh, I'm, I'm sure people will be, re, you know, revisiting this, uh, re-examining it. Uh, perhaps, uh, you know, Oliver Stone will reissue JFK. People will be going back to the theaters. You've seen the movie, I don't know how many times. JFK, what did Oliver Stone get right? What did he get wrong? Well, I don't think he got anything wrong, given the limits that he was, obviously, to get a movie like this out, the ruling elite control the theaters, so he had to limit how far he could go. But what he did, he did a great job at getting it out. It's a documentary, really, of the assassination. There's a scene there where they go to, they take this weapon, the Manlicker Carcano, they take it to the morgue, right. where Oswald's body is, they put uh, Oswald's Palmer. dead palm on an ink pad, and then they put his palm print on the weapon. Right. That's in the movie, but did that happen? Certainly. How do we know? We know because of insiders like the Torbett document people. The Torbett document was written by one of the lawyers for Permindex. It's a great document. I suggest people read it if they want to learn more about the Kennedy assassination. E. Howard Hunt gave a deathbed confession as to his involvement. He was claimed he was one of the tramps. The tramps that were apprehended in the abandoned boxcar behind the grassy knoll. What was that all about? We've often heard of the tramps. Woody Harrelson's father was one of the three tramps. Who were these guys? Every shooter had a walkie-talkie man with him. And his job was to take the rifle from the shooter and dispose of the rifle. And what they did is the shooters would take the shot and then they would change and disappear. And the guys like E. Howard Hunt were in railway cars right beside the grassy knoll. Remember, on the back side of the grassy knoll was a railway yard. And these three men were found in a railway car with weapons. They were led by policemen into the Dallas. Remember, Kennedy was killed within 40 yards of the sheriff's desk. They were led right into the police station and then let go. And there was no record of them. Mark Lane and many other researchers tried to find out what happened to these three guys. Nobody knows what happened to them. There's no record of their arrest. And this is how they just got rid of the the shooters and, and the people involved in the teams. They just led them away and made it look like they were arresting them. And then they let them go. You know, the interesting thing is, all the cars in the presidential limo, I mean, typically a presidential motorcade is they're all black. They're all different colors. Was there some, is that, did they want to be able to identify who was in what car? Was that by design, all the different colored cars? Well, let's remember that the director, the co-director, the deputy director of the CIA, Charles Cabell, was the brother of Earl Cabell, the mayor of Dallas. So that is how they were able to get the route changed. If you looked at the published route in the Dallas paper that day, it did not show them taking the little detour through Dealey Plaza, which was a total ambush. They had to come down Elm and Houston for the triangulation. They had to be right. able to have three different uh, shooters right, at least. Right. Let's so, go to the phones, and uh, we welcome Jerry from Pennsylvania. Jerry in the Keystone State, welcome to the Conspiracy Show. Hello. Hi there. Go ahead. Yeah, uh, Howard Hunt was hired by Johnson to kill JFK, and Johnson wanted to start the Bay of Pigs invasion in Cuba. Right. That's about what happened. E. Howard Hunt, he was the hit man. Let's talk a little bit about uh, Hunt a little bit more. I mean, he was I mean, he was not the trigger man, clearly. I mean, who? but who were the trigger men? Do we know? Well, Garrison claimed that E. Howard Hunt wasn't the trigger man, but was one of the 
you know, I think that uh, he he claimed that Aaron Howard Hunt was on the ground, right. a manager guy on right. the ground, supervising the assassination teams. He wasn't a expert no. sniper shot. Did they bring some people in from Giancana's uh, Chicago uh, people, Nicoletti and and uh, yeah, these, these exactly. People? They brought in hired guns. And uh, there's uh, there's rumors that there was a guy by the name of Holt, and uh, you know it really doesn't matter who was the actual shooter. These guys were uh, were no name people, but expert gunmen, expert shooters, expert assassins, military and mafia guys. But I've heard the rumor that Hunt was actually one of the shooters. But Garrison and in the Torbett document they claim that he was right on the scene as a supervisor, but not an actual trigger man. Yeah, uh, I'd heard that it was uh, Nicol- and, and, Nicoletti and... and, and uh, to me, that's like, as May Brussel said, that's counting blades right. of grass on the grassy knoll. It really isn't important, really, the actual name of the trigger man. All right, let's say hello to Frank in Buffalo. Hello, Frank. Great show, uh, Thank Richard you. and uh, Nelson. It's an honor to talk to you, too. Nelson, isn't the, um, of, of all the, the things, and there's many, isn't the real Rosetta Stone of the Kennedy assassination... Jack Ruby. I mean, a famous, tremendous, famous way for the mob to get rid of somebody is to have them knocked off. And uh, I just think, isn't that like the real fulcrum of the whole Kennedy assassination? Jack Ruby, another white Russian. Yeah, certainly. And worked for Bush, not only the mafia, but worked for Herbert Walker Bush, who was also in Dealey Plaza on November 22nd. Certainly, Ruby is a major player in the whole assassination. Yeah, this wasn't Absolutely. just a guy that owned a strip club. I mean, how, no. you know, they <laughs> talk about that lack of security cover. on that day, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, they're, they're taking Oswell, doing the prison transfer, and yeah. uh, they say, well, here, here comes a guy who owns the local uh, strip joint, and he's got a gun. Okay, let him in. <laughs> yeah. And there's pictures of Oswald with Ruby. Uh, he, they knew each other very well. They knew each other beforehand. Yeah. All right. So did Oswald know then what was happening? Did he know that he was the fall guy? Did he think that he was part of a sting operation and then was surprised as anyone to find out that he was wanted for JFK's Well, there was a Lee Harvey Oswald who was going to the FBI to FBI agent Hostie. He had an FBI number. He was an, an operative of the FBI and was reporting to Hostie about the assassination. Before it transpired. Exactly. He was trying to alert the FBI. That's what we're told. Exactly. We're told he was trying to alert the FBI. Of course, Hostie burned the notes. <laughs> and burned all the notes that he got from Oswald. They claimed, the FBI claimed, that the notes were uh, threats against uh, uh Marina Oswald and others. I mean, the FBI would come up with all sorts of crazy reasons as to why they burned, uh, not, not Marina Oswald. They were threats against Jackie Kennedy is what ah. they claimed, the FBI, and so they burned them. Well, why burn it? Because it's a threat against, why wouldn't you keep this stuff? So the question is, what would Oswald be saying on these notes to Hostie that would cause them to want to destroy it? Well, Oz, in, in Stone's film, he claims that the only reason you would get rid of this stuff is if it was Oswald was trying to alert the government to this assassination plot. But we'll never know because, once again, and of course, Garrison and Permindex names uh, Division 5 of the FBI as the group that planned and supervised the assassination. All right. Uh, Darlene is in Hamilton. Darlene, welcome to The Conspiracy Show. Hi. Hi there. 
does Nelson assist with, help with, or teach this type of document research? Not anymore. I did give courses years ago, but not anymore. And most people, I don't know how much interest there was over uh, over the years. I mean, people look at this as being just an assassination, no different from other assassinations, even though Jim Garrison said that the Permindex also was the team that assassinated Martin Luther King and Bobby Kennedy. But to answer your question, no, uh, I don't teach this at all. All right, Darlene, any other questions? What about you, Darlene? Have you you done any research on it yourself? No, but I find that sometimes you can't get information through normal channels. No, that's right. You go to sometimes the library, and you look up something, and I I don't mean like a history book. I mean something that's modern today that's happening. You can find out a lot of common information, and I felt that maybe if Nelson was... Still doing some of these things. I, I guess now you're just writing about what had happened in the past. Well, what I'd like to do, since you're mentioning it, is let me just give you some important books that you should get if you're interested. The Heritage of Stone is written by Jim Garrison. That's the place to start. He was the district attorney of New Orleans who charged uh, Clay Shaw with and mentioned and named Permindex and the people behind Permindex in the assassination and get the book The Secret Team by Fletcher Prouty. That was Donald Sutherland's character in JFK. He was uh, Mr. X. He was supposed to be the head of so, uh, Secret Service that was sent on this wild goose chase. He wasn't head of Secret Service. He was he was in charge of the security for the president by the military. Ah, okay. Right, right. But he was sent on a wild goose chase off to New, to Zealand, New Zealand to babysit some executives. Exactly. Oh. They'll do a photo shoot in Antarctic. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so there's Secret Team by Colonel F- Fletcher Prouty, Jim Garrison's book, F- Heritage of Stone, the Torbett document in the JFK assassination, uh, NASA Nazis and JFK, and uh, look up the Nazi connection to the JFK assassination by May Brussel. If you start to look at those, that'll be a great uh, way to start your your uh, investigation. And uh, Six Seconds in Dallas by uh, Josiah Thompson. And get the book Dr. Mary's Monkey by Edward T. Haslam. That's the latest update, wouldn't you say, Richard, on, on the Lee Harvey Oswald story? And certainly, certainly that adds an entirely new dimension. dimension. Most people are not, uh, which reminds me, I've got to get Haslam back on the show. It's been a number of years since I talked to him. Yeah. So maybe for our 50th anniversary, we'll, uh, we'll do two hours and we'll, uh, we'll bring Haslam and we'll yeah. bring, we'll bring all the major players and, of course, yeah. Nelson Thal, our uh, resident media scientist, assassination researcher. Thank you, Nelson. But this caller raises a good point, and that is, Listen, this cover-up has worked for 49 years. They've successfully distracted America uh, from this, from the coup d'etat that took over, what Garrison called a fifth-column conspiracy. And today we look at it as it's the New World Order takeover of the United States. Uh, there's a wonderful quote uh, on um, one of these books about... Uh... Treason doth never prosper. Why? For if treason doth prosper, none dare call it treason. There you go. A wonderful way to end. Nelson Thal, thank you. Thanks, Richard. Thank you to uh, Tim Spreen for production. Uh, Next week, uh, Victor Vigiani sitting in for yours truly. In the meantime, don't be afraid. There's nothing concealed that won't be revealed and nothing hidden that won't be made known. What you hear in the dark, speak in the light. What I say in a whisper, proclaim from the housetops. Move over, Aphrodite. 